Lamentations 3, please. Know, maybe an unusual book to preach from, but I, the Lord has just burdened my heart with this. When I was in college, your age, uh, I, I was blessed by this passage, but I didn't understand it correctly, okay? And God sometimes can bless you even when you don't quite understand what you're reading, and that, that was my case. Lamentations 3, 24 through 32, and the topic is sitting in silence. Sitting in silence. Lamentations 3, 24 through 32. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be, there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him, he is filled with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us through this passage to carry the yoke that you have given each one of us. Help us to be faithful to the end, all the way to the rapture when we will see you at the judgment seat of Christ. And we want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So please teach us from this good passage what it means. In Jesus' name, amen. So in college, I claimed this passage, especially the part where he says, it is good, it is good that a man should both quietly uh, wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Okay, you guys are young. That means it's good for you to bear the yoke in your youth. Okay, he sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. And I, in, in college, I came to a time where I was, you know, I was th thinking, will I ever graduate? It took me six years to get through college, six years for a four-year degree. How many of you are empathizing right now? You're, yeah, okay, you know what I'm talking about, okay. And, and I thought, man, will I ever get through? And this passage blessed me, okay, just, just sit down and shut up. God's going to take you through. That's kind of how I interpret it, okay. Uh, that's not quite what it means. It's actually a messianic passage, and I didn't realize that. I just focused on that one spot. I didn't think about verse 30, that 30, he's actually, you know, that's talking about Jesus was, he was struck by people, okay? And I didn't stop and think, he said it alone and keep his silence. That's what Jesus did in his trials. So I just considered it, you know, having a tough time and then just sitting there and waiting for God to work. And that's, you know, that's not too bad, but I remember one time when I did sit alone and keep my silence, about 1974 or 75, I was in a karate tournament called the Battle of Atlanta, okay? And it was a battle. It was semi-contact. You could punch and hit someone in the body, but not in the head. So in my, my first match, my friend Derek Yoshikawa from Hawaii was sitting up in the stands watching. He was smart enough not to enter the fighting. So my opponent, they said, begin. My opponent just came at me, just throwing punches wildly, just punch, punch, punch. And I, my friend says, I blocked them all casually, but he drove me out of the ring. Got back in the middle of the ring and block, 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 drove me out of the ring. Okay. So probably the third time. Block, 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 whoops, one got through. Knocked me out. Now, I've been knocked out in wrestling, 
judo, karate, and kung fu. <laughs> you might say, why did you keep on keeping on? Well, it's not that I liked being knocked out, but I liked the sport, okay? So anyway, so I, I don't know why they do this. You're lying there knocked out, and when you open your eyes, they all say, are you okay? <laughs> well, I just thought I'd take a nap in the middle of the match, you know? <laughs> don't leave me alone. Let me rest a little while longer, and then I'll fight the guy. No. So I had a cut right here, and, you know, because you can cut someone's skin by punching them, and, and I... And uh, I had been knocked out, so they said, go over there and sit down and wait for the load to go to the hospital. Because it it, there was a load when they... <laughs> I'm sitting there on my own, sitting there keeping silence. And the guy that ran the tournament was a guy named Joe Corley, uh, who had kind of a bad reputation. Uh, but Joe came up to me and said, uh, how old are you? He didn't say, are you doing okay? Is it, you know, you're going to be okay? He said, how old are you? I said, 21. He said, good, we don't have to call your mommy. And he walked off. <laughs> that was not encouraging. He later wrote in Official Karate Magazine, we didn't have any injuries in that tournament. Oh, yeah, you liar. Uh, <laughs> so I waited for the load to take me to the hospital. <clears throat> and I sat in a van with other people headed for the hospital. And, and uh, I sat alone and kept my silence. There were other people in there, but we were all kind of wrapped up in our own injuries. And, Got to the hospital and they sewed me up. Unfortunately, it didn't leave a scar. I felt you men know what I'm saying. I mean, you, the scars make you look like macho or, or whatever, you know. No scar, it just healed up perfectly and I was real disappointed in that. But uh, they put the stitches in, they x-rayed my head, didn't find anything. They finished the treatment and I sat there alone keeping my silence, you know, and the van came and picked us all up and we went back to the tournament and it was too late. I won the first match because he was disqualified because he wasn't supposed to hit me in the head, right? You got that, but I couldn't fight the second match because it was already over. But uh, anyway, so I sat alone and kept my silence, okay? That's not what this means, okay? Carry the yoke and then keep your silence. There is a time when you've carried the yoke and you can keep your silence. But the message here is carry your yoke. You can't sit in silence until you carry your yoke. Okay? And then when you sit in silence, something else is going to happen. That's what the passage says. And that's, that's it's, a, it's messianic. It's about Jesus Christ. And that's what happened to Christ. Something else happened after he sat alone and keep his silence. So first of all, Who's going to be the most likely to succeed here at BCM when you graduate? The one who waits on God. The one who sits when he's finished carrying the yoke and waits on God, and then something else big will happen. Now, you are carrying a yoke here at BCM. The yoke is carry all you can and grow in grace. You can be a get out of here. That's the yoke we're carrying. So first of all, bear the yoke, verses 24 through 27 again. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. So serving God is bearing the yoke, okay? Now you are supposed to Get your education, your Christian education. Get your experience. Get, get your service for Christ. Learn how to do it. And, and uh, 
Uh, so I hope, I think someone said, and it might have been Pastor that said he tried, he did all sorts of things in college. That's what you should do. Try different things in college, different ministries, wherever they put you in. Enjoy it and, and, and learn from it and grow from it and try doing things that you've never done before. And, and, uh, and you're carrying the yoke, okay? Um, to, care, to bear the yoke means to work. I didn't stop to think about that when I was in college. Bear the yoke. I just thought it meant, okay, something, something rough happened. I'm having a rough time. I just sit there and let God work in my life. And that's, that's good. I mean, that's okay. But that's not what the passage is saying. The yoke is work. It's service for God, right? My yoke is easy, Jesus said. My burden is light. But, it, and, you know, feel sorry for those who don't serve God. Never, ever feel sorry for yourself because you're serving God and I don't have much money, and i got to pray to get my school bill in, and, and I don't know how I'm going to pass that Greek test. And No, um, God is there to help. Carry the burden for the Lord. An ox doesn't rest much when they're carrying the yoke. Until you take the yoke off the ox, the oxen, the oxen don't rest. Okay? So just keep on going for the Lord until we stop. So I'm I'm 71 now. I'm going to keep on going to the Lord's house. Um, I don't know when that'll be. Uh, the other day I said at, at the staff picnic party, I, I said I want to teach till I'm 80, and pastor said 85. Okay, well, maybe 85. We'll see. And, and, I, and I always, I'm always encouraged when I read about people uh, older than me, you know, in, in their 80s that are, I mean, they're Congress people, congressmen and women that are still serving in Congress when they're over 80. And uh, so that's what I want to do. But I was, I was walking home. I told my class today I was, I was walking home, walking back from the HC to the main building here. And uh, I thought I was, I was doing pretty good for a 71-year-old. I'm doing okay here. And two girls passed me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're going to slow down eventually. But hey, give it all you've got for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let, bear the yoke in your youth. Here you are in your youth. Bear that yoke. Don't back off. Just do whatever God gives you. God gives you college. Go through it. God gives you a ministry in college, do it. After college, God makes you an assistant somewhere, do it. God makes you a Christian school teacher somewhere, do it. Give it all you've got for the Lord Jesus Christ. So what, what of Christ, what has God given you to do? Paul said in Romans eleven thirteen, 13, I magnify my office. Whatever you do for Jesus Christ now and in the future, that ought to, to you be the best thing in the world. It's the greatest thing in the world to serve Jesus Christ. That ought to be your attitude. I get to work in the bus ministry. I get to work with the, with the handicapped. I, I get to work with the little bratty six-year-olds. You know, I get to. This is awesome. This is great. This is what God gave me to do. Okay? So what ministry are you called to? Pastor, evangelist, raising kids as a Christian wife? Whatever it is. Do it. Do it with all your heart. I remember being called to Japan. Um, Someone asked me the other day, how many, were there other people on deputation to go to Japan when you were? And yeah, there were quite a few. Uh, one young man got in terrible debt, had to quit deputation, became a Christian school teacher, never made it to Japan. One family, one pastor and his wife, eh, probably in their 40s, they decided we, we could never learn Japanese, and they quit, and he pastored in America. Okay. Another family actually went to the, got to the field, they got their, their support, went to the field, and after three years, quit. Eventually, he was an assistant pastor. He quit that, 
His daughter told us on one furlough, they didn't, they didn't even go to church anymore. Why? They didn't carry the yoke God had gave them, had, God had given them. God gave them something to do, and their own self interfered and said, I don't think we can do this. I don't think I can learn the Japanese language. I don't think I can be a missionary. I, I don't think I can, man, I've taught Christian school for two years and it's terrible. I don't think I can do this. No, no, you can. If God gave it to you to do, grasp it with both hands. Carry that yoke. God gave you something to do, okay? But this is about Jesus Christ. He bore the yoke for his father. So three years, he taught and he chose disciples and he trained them. He discipled his disciples. Okay, for three years, some say three and a half. It's not that important what it is, three, three and a half, whatever. And Christ did what he was supposed to for those years. And, uh, but before that, he did what he was supposed to as, the, as the, son of, the oldest son of the family. So the speculation is you don't hear about Joseph at all in the ministry of Jesus. You don't hear about Joseph until... Uh, until Joseph, uh, Jesus is 12 years old and the incident when he goes in the temple and sits with the, with the professors in the temple, the rabbis in the temple, and asks them questions they are just amazed. After that, you don't hear about Joseph. So the speculation is Joseph may have died after that, and guess what? Then Jesus is the man of the family. So Jesus then did what he was supposed to as the man of the family before he went into ministry, and, um, and then, remember, he, he cared for his mother at, on the cross, he tells John, take care of my mother. He's dying. And he does what he was, he's supposed to as a son. Okay? Dying on the cross. John, behold thy mother. Mary, behold thy son. You too. You're gonna, John, you're going to take care of her. And John did. Okay. So you do what you're supposed to as a member of the family. You do what you're supposed to in the work for Jesus Christ. Christ bore the yoke for his father as a family member, as a son, and then as a full-time minister for Jesus Christ, a full-time teacher of disciples, a full-time discipler, a full-time preacher, a full-time evangelist, whatever you want to call him, a full-time shepherd of those 12 that, Jesus, that God had given him. Christ did what he was supposed to. Do something for the Lord before you talk about it. Okay? Don't, don't be, it's too early for any of you here in college to be saying, yeah, let me tell you what I did for the Lord. <laughs> you haven't done much yet. Right? Just wait until you've actually accomplished something before in the Lord uh, before, uh, before you say anything. He sitteth alone and keep, in his, keep his silence. Why? Because he hath borne it upon him. What? The yoke. He carried the yoke. Now he sits in silence. That's what the passage says. That's what Jesus did. He bore the yoke, and then he um, sat in silence. But while you're bearing the yoke, Give it all you have in the power of the Holy Spirit, of course. Ecclesiastes 9, 9 and verse 10. Ecclesiastes 9, 10. I love this verse. This is the philosophical book of the Old Testament, but it's got some real wisdom in it. Okay? Verse 10, 9 and verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. You die, and it's too late to serve Jesus on earth. 
it's done. You're done. You're going to go to heaven, and you're going to do whatever they do in heaven. We're not real sure about some things about heaven. You're going to go to heaven, and you're going to do whatever they do. Okay? And you're going to come down with Jesus in the second coming, uh, the rapture, and then the second coming once you die. But uh, you're done. Okay? Colossians 3.23, the New Testament also has a similar um, statement. Colossians 3 and verse 23 And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not on the men. So let the Lord determine what you do. You're doing it to him, for him, to him. And, and be led of the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to do what you're supposed to. What ministry are you supposed to be involved in? Are you supposed to go something today or not? Are you uh, um, supposed to take this course or that course for an elective? Let God lead you, but then give it all you've got. And we professors occasionally notice a student that's not giving it all they've got, right? Okay. And you yourself, each one of us knows. I know classes in college that I didn't give it all I was supposed to. In the Lord, though. In the Lord. Okay. Um, so, again, verse 23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. Verse 22 is talking about people that do it for humans, men pleasers. I'm doing it for that person so they can admire me or whatever. No, no, no. Look to the Lord, find out exactly what your yoke is, and carry your yoke for the Lord. Well, secondly, well, Moody, let me just say this. I believe it was D.L. Moody that said, I couldn't track this down, but someone said, I think it was Moody, I would rather meet someone who said, I'd done it, and really did, than someone with good grammar who had done nothing. I did it. Well, he didn't do anything. I'd done it. Well, he did do something for the Lord. Okay? Um, so... Bear the yoke. Do what you're supposed to for the Lord. Secondly, though, then you can sit in silence. Verses 28 and 29, back to um, Lamentations. Verses 28 and 29. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be that there may be hope. So he's sitting and keeping his silence and he has hope in God. That's the point of the sitting alone and keeping silence. You're waiting for God. God has something big he's going to do. And there may come a time in your ministry where it seems like nothing's happening, but you sit and wait for God. There's great and mighty things coming if you simply allow God to work. And there will come a time in your ministry when that happens. It's not yet. Okay? Because in college, there's not much that you've done yet. I remember one of, we had an evangelistic team, and uh, one of the guys on the team, we'd take terms preaching, and, and we were doing a kids' meeting, and, and he preached a message. For some reason, this has stuck in my mind. He later became a, a good pastor um, of, for the Lord, but he preached on what, Moses, what God said to Moses, what is that in thine hand? What do you have that you can learn to use for God? What is that in your hand? What are, you, what are your talents? What are your abilities? What is your training? What have you trained in? What job has you done? have you done before? What is that in your hand that you can use for God? It really, that message really stuck with me. Okay? So what do you have in your hand? What talents do you have in your hand? Use them for God. What abilities do you have in your hand? Use them for God. What training do you have? Use it for God. It would be a terrible shame if you went through BCM and graduated and did nothing for the Lord. 
this many students, there's bound to be someone in here like that. You graduate from here and you go out and you work a secular job and you never fulfill the promise that you had in your life for Jesus Christ. That would be a terrible shame. But Jesus sat in silence. Why? Because he had borne the yoke. For three years, he had done what he was supposed to. And then he sat in silence. But I think this is a prophecy, okay? He was silent before the chief priests and elders after his arrest, Matthew 27, verse 12. The Bible says he was silent, Matthew 27, verse 12. And I think this, so I believe that these are, this is a prophecy of what he actually did. He sat alone and didn't say anything. Matthew 27 and, and um, verse 12. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. He saw, he saw no need to say anything. He didn't say, look, I taught among you. I, I healed your sick people. I did miracles. I fed 5,000. Don't you remember that? He didn't say that. He left it up to God, the Father. He simply sat there, didn't say a word. Matthew 27, 13, and 14. Then Pilate, then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. What was the governor used to? He was used to people saying, Look, I didn't do it. Someone has said, Every single criminal will tell you they're innocent. <laughs> right? If you've ever done any jail ministry, you know that. They, they all say, that I, I didn't really do it, or I, did, I wasn't as bad as they said I was, you know. So here's Pilate. He's expecting Jesus to say, look, look what I did. I didn't do what they're saying. I was, I was a good guy. I healed people. I fed people. But Jesus didn't say a word. He sat alone and kept his silence because he had borne the yoke, and he was waiting for God to act. Luke 23, 8 and 9. One more time, he kept his silence during the trials. He did speak at times during the trials before he was put on the cross. Here's another case when he didn't say a word, though. He was silent before Herod. Not a bad thing to do because Herod was an awful person. Luke 23, 8 and 9. And it says, And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. So if a guy like Herod wants to know what you're doing, you can keep silence. You can tell them about Jesus. If they scoff and mock, just keep your silence. You don't have to say a word. And that'll eat them up. Poor Herod, many words. So, show me something. Silence. Uh, a miracle. Silence. Uh, look at McGillicuddy over there. He's, 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 uh, um, he can't walk right. Fix him. Silence. Herod wanted entertainment. That's what he wanted. I want to see a miracle. Was he going to let Jesus go? No. <laughs> Didn't matter what Jesus did, you know. Uh, he wasn't going to let Jesus go. So Jesus sat alone and kept his silence. So this is prophecy in, in Lamentations. It's, he sat alone and kept his silence. Why? Because um, he was waiting for God to act. Look back once again, just to get that straight. Look back again at uh, Lamentations. Um, sat alone and keep his silence because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust. If so be there may be hope. Verse 30 is also prophetic. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He's full of reproach. So he was silence, okay? 
And he was waiting for the Father. Be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46.10. There comes a time in your ministry and your life where you simply have to be still and wait for God to work. Okay, there, there's something nowadays called stolen valor. I don't know if you've heard of it. That's when someone pretends to be a war hero, but they were never in the military. Or sometimes they were in the military and they pretend to have the Medal of Honor or some great honor, and they really didn't get it. That's called stolen valor. It got so bad in modern times that Congress passed a law directly against stolen valor in 2013. There was a woman named Sarah who claimed to be a, wo a Marine wounded in Iraq. This is after that. She claimed to be a Marine wounded in, in Iraq, and she actually headed a VFW post, Veterans of Foreign Wars. She headed it. She got, she got more than $250,000 of benefits and charity because she claimed to be a wounded Marine. Turned out she had never been in the military. She wasn't a wounded Marine. Someone noticed some discrepancies in her record that she put on, on, on uh, social media, and she was arrested. Stolen valor. Go out and do something for Jesus. Don't pretend to be a servant of Jesus. Do it. Do whatever God gives you to do. Bear that yoke. Then you can sit in silence and wait for God. And that's the last point. Sacrificing. So service, bearing the yoke, sitting in silence, verses 28 and 29, and then sacrificing for the sin of the world, verses 30 and 31. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled with reproach, for the Lord will not cast off forever. So he died on the cross then. That was the next thing in the schedule. He died on the cross. The most awesome event in the history of the world. Jesus sat in silence and waited for God to work. He died on the cross and redemption was accomplished, and we are saved in the 21st century because Christ died on the cross, right? The most awesome event ever done in the history of the world. And then he rose again. The Lord will not cast off forever. The Lord raised him. God raised him from the dead. And the most incredible miracle of all times happened with the resurrection from the dead. So... Sacrifice, you may have to sacrifice in the Lord's ministry. You know, you may be like Peter who says, Lord, we've sacrificed everything. We gave everything we have. To, we abandoned everything to follow you. What will we have in the resurrection? Maybe sometimes you think that. Doesn't matter. You can think it fine, but you won't get the answer. <laughs> okay? But God is preparing to do something great. Call unto me, I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. When you bear the yoke, there may come a time when God's got something special to happen, and he says, just wait and watch. And in your heart, you know that's what God wants you to do. Just wait and watch and, and see what God has done. He was literally in, in Luke twenty two fifty three. they literally struck him. So this is also, this is literally fulfilled. They smote him on the cheek, Okay. So Luke twenty-two fifty-three. I'm sure you're familiar with the passage. Um, it says, uh, <clears throat> uh, now "Wait a minute. That would probably be twenty twenty-three fifty-three. Uh, no. Uh, okay, I missed it somewhere <laughs> in Luke. Luke in the, he was literally punched on the cheek. He was he was clobbered. He was physically attacked before even the cross. He was tortured." 
with the cat of nine tails before being crucified. And there may be times uh, when, when you do go through, th through some terrible things. Stick with it. Stay with your hope on God. God's going to do something great if you'll simply wait. Okay. Um, he was crucified, but he was not left in the grave. There's a song, uh, I don't know if you know it, Hold On My Child, Joy Comes in the Morning. When things get bad, what is that, that uh, half joke? If you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. <laughs> okay? Things are not going well. You're, you're discouraged. What's happening? You don't know. Hang on. God's coming. Okay? God's going to do something big. When John Rice rebuked Billy Graham for compromise, he sat in silence for the criticism. Now, John Rice had a principle he would never answer personal attacks. If someone attacked him and said, John Rice is a lousy Christian, he wouldn't say anything. He would write, he would write on principle articles in the Sword of the Lord, this is what Billy Graham did, it was wrong, he compromised with the liberals. Okay. He had a revival meeting, a citywide campaign in Chicago, and he had liberals on the, the campaign committee, and he thought that was a good thing, and he accepted that, and he did not allow the fundamentalists to be there. Okay, so he criticized Billy Graham, but then he started to get personal attacks. And I've, I've read in the, in the files at Wheaton Col College, they have the Billy Graham uh, files there, uh, archives, and I've read a letter or two from those archives that people that were so... Christians, evangelicals, that were so nasty. What a terrible guy. What a hypocrite. What a Pharisee. And he kept his silence. He didn't write a thing. Didn't write an article about the personal attacks. So maybe come a time when you, have, you are attacked. You're suffering. That's okay. Just accept the suffering for the Lord. There's a poem that I found. The Chosen Vessel. The master was searching for a vessel to use. On the shelf there were many. Which one would he choose? Take me, cried the gold one. I'm shiny and bright. I'm of great value, and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. And for someone like you, master, gold would be the best. The master passed on with no word at all. He looked at a silver urn, narrow and tall. I'll serve you, dear master. I'll pour out your wine, and I'll be at your table wherever you dine. My lines are so graceful, my carving so true, and my silver will always compliment you. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel. I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. Though fragile I am, I will serve you with pride. And I'm sure I'll be happy in your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood. Polished and carved, it solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit, not for bread. Then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay, empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on his shelf, nor the one who is big-mouthed and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his contents so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain, earthy vessel filled with my power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it and filled it that day, spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. The Chosen Vessel by Beulah B. Cornwall. 
What is that in thine hand? What are you? What do you have? That's what God wants. He doesn't want you, if you think you're gold, pass by. Even if you think you're wood, I, I'm strong, I'm wood, I'm, you know, I can, I can be filled with fruit and look great. No, no. God wants sometimes to break you. You may end up being broken in your life. You may end up with great sadness. But that's when God can use you the most, perhaps. What happens then? You sit alone and keep your silence because you bore it. You carried the yoke. You did what you were supposed to. You did what God called you to. You took that course. You graduated from BCM. You went to seminary, if that's God's will. You went out and pastored somewhere, or was an evangelist, or a missionary, or, or an assistant, or, or a Christian school teacher, or, or I mean, not everyone's supposed to be in full-time service. Maybe there's someone here, you just, you're here at BCM because that's, you know, that's what you felt was the next step, but you, well, you don't really feel called to anything. That's fine. Go, you go out and still be a wonderful servant of Jesus Christ in the pews. There, there's no limit to that. But you've got to do something for Christ. Whatever he calls you to do, that's what you've got to do. You've got to carry the yoke that he gives you. And it's a different yoke for everyone. Don't look at someone else and look at their yoke and, huh, wish I had that yoke. You know? Don't, don't look at someone else's yoke and say, wow, how are they carrying that? Don't even look at their yoke. You can look at yourself and, and let the Holy Spirit within you say, this is what I've got for you. This is your yoke. Carry it. It might be for a year, it might be for 10 years. I was amazed 33 years in Japan to find that God wanted us back here. And you know, many, many times in Japan I would say, Lord, thank you for letting me be a missionary. Hallelujah, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be a missionary. But I'm not a missionary anymore. Oh no. What do I say to the Lord now? I say, Lord, thank you that I'm a teacher at PCM. Often I tell the Lord this, thank you so much for using me, a tool, a vessel for you to use. That should be your attitude. Simply bear the yoke that God gave you and thank God. As the Apostle Paul said, I magnify mine office. Okay? So whatever you do for Christ, you can think this is the best possible thing for me to do for Christ. And that should be your attitude.